So it's about the first-ish of September, he said, maybe, based on when this should post, which probably means we've already drafted for the Mixed Six Fantasy Football League. It is our inaugural uh, iteration of this, and I'm super excited. Really want to shout out to Greg Bennett here for kind of pushing me to do this while we were sitting at a bar at Gen Con, because honestly, I was kind of waning on the entire idea of playing fantasy football this year. But here we are. Um, Cheers to everyone who's involved and not involved, and I hope I beat the shit out of all of you. I'm playing a druid. I get the rules, right? Hey, everybody, I'm Caleb. I'm Spencer. And this is the Mix Six, and this definitely isn't the fourth take of me trying to just say my own no, name. No, definitely not. That'd definitely be embarrassing. didn't screw it up that we, many times. We've done this a lot. Got it on the first one. Everyone should know. Anyway, this is a pre-party where uh, we talk about how we're going to organize our rating system for this show in which we rate six beers and have six conversations. Um, we're obsessed with cheese of late. No one can explain. There's why. no agenda here. Like I don't. I don't want people to think that big cheese is behind the show. Like uh, Caleb did a cheesy snacks rating system, and then I don't know why. Maybe subconsciously, I had cheese on the brain, so I did a cheese. We rating are midwesterners. System. It's close to our hearts. That could be it. Sure. How great would it be if like we didn't take brewery sponsorships because we wanted the reviews to say awesome, but we were just in the pocket of big cheese. Where are you at, Tillamook? <laughs> uh, I mean, Kraft is like right down the road. I was just going to say right. they have a massive oh, craft of a different type hey get it like craft beer okay so anyways um in keeping with the theme because i guess maybe now there is a little bit of an agenda here which is to continue to talk about cheese things in our rating systems um i've chosen cheeseburger cheeses uh and that's what we're going to use so if you've listened to the mix six before you know how this works if you haven't we review six beers throughout the course of an episode uh, and we rate those beers on a five point scale a one is the worst thing you've ever had and a five is the best thing you've ever had so today a one would be a bad cheese for a cheeseburger and a five would be the best cheese for a cheeseburger a uh, kind of ironic thing about this rating system, I don't eat cheeseburgers or cheese anymore, so I'm going off memories, things that I really used to like as I was eating cheeseburgers and their cheeses, okay? A one, the worst thing to put on what a cheeseburger. What is there to say? Yeah, right, exactly. Good luck. Come at me. Our deepest rating system, Spencer's memory of cheeseburger cheese. Yeah. Next up, we'll have a blind man describe his favorite paintings. <laughs> I just, I just felt good, guys. This rating uh, system is Raymond Carver's Cathedral. <laughs> Listen, nerds. First, a one. Terrible cheese to put on a cheeseburger. And there is a, a, a joint in town that is famous for doing this. It's the soft melted cheese. I don't like that shit. It ruins it. I don't need my cheese just being gooey all over the place and falling off the burger. I don't need to feel like I need to eat it with someone else's hands and or a fork and a spoon and a knife. I just want the cheeseburger and the cheese on the burger. So get that soft melted shit out of here. Can you explain the... How is a soft melted cheese different from a, a melted cheese? Yeah, no, I definitely can. Okay, so like a melted cheese, you use like a thin slice, right? Okay. So like a thin slice of American, which we'll cover in a second. When you melt it, right, it just covers the burger and it sits there. It kind of, mm-hmm. it kind of like, like right. glues itself to it. But a soft also, melted, al- almost as if it's soft. Now. Al- almost, but a soft melted cheese is a thicker slice of cheese so that and they don't melt it all of the way so that when you start to bite into it you've got this much larger cheese patty almost that starts to drip down and hang off of the burger. Oh yeah, that's not you. No. It shouldn't be anyone, Caleb. It's still a bad name though. Yeah. 
Well, like I've never known something to melt and get harder. Well, that's it's, definitely no like caramel. Like caramel, the more it melts, the harder it gets. Like that's a thing. What? Well, well you know, you because that's well, not how heat works, no, bro. It's definitely how heat works sometimes. <laughs> Just with caramel, mostly. Are you fuck beers. We got to talk about thermodynamics. Listen, guys. are you talking about baking? <laughs> like, what is this? Well, I'm heating things, and then sometimes yeah. they heat too much. You need to get out. Go to number two. Number two Flea. is Swiss. Um, people try to put Swiss on a burger, and I don't understand it. And they try to get fancy, like, here's a Swiss and mushroom burger. Get all of that shit off that burger. Okay, I don't want Swiss. I don't want your mushrooms. I want a yellow cheese. Or I want a good white cheese. There's one coming up. A three. Now we're into like, yeah, this is like average. This is what I expect out of a cheeseburger. It's American. Good old-fashioned slice of American cheese on a cheeseburger. It's good. It's great even. Uh, but things can get better. One, just cheddar. Just just number four, cheddar. Everybody likes cheddar on a burger. It makes things taste better. If you want to do an extra sharp, that's fine. You want to do a white cheddar, cool with that. But you need to have some cheddar on your burger. And then five, spice things up. There's some jalapenos on there, maybe some bell peppers, a little bit of hot sauce. Use your pepper jack. This is where cheeses on burgers really start to sing. And in this case, this is where a five beer would really change the beer game for you if it was pepper jack cheese on a cheeseburger. Um. I can't say anything because I don't eat beef. So right, yeah, I don't either anymore. Uh, so it's I, have the no, memory. I have nothing to disagree with except the nomenclature of self melted and your understanding of how heat works. Well, okay, we'll talk about this later. <laughs> I need I need someone who understands what I'm saying to comment in a productive way on Facebook after this airs. How dare you insult the name of mushrooms? I don't. I don't need mushrooms are disgusting. I don't need your trash talk, people. With yeah. that, we're getting a beer. <laughs> Spencer, what are you drinking? Um, so we're back to the ghost pepper beers, because that last one went so well. Uh, I feel like we started a terrible new trend. Okay, I tried this in a tap room in Purdy, Washington, mm. mixed with a lemon basil cider, which we also have on handy. Yeah. And it was great. It was life-changing. Who brought this to us again? Micah from Seattle. Oh, yeah, Micah. Thank you yes. so much. So this is from Poyallop? Poyallop? What's Poyallop? Sure, sure. Pia- Let's go with Pialop. Yeah, the Pialop River Brewing Companies <laughs> rolls off the tongue. Pialop. Um, it's the uh, pineapple ghost pepper cream ale, and I think I tried this the eve the the first evening we were in Gen Con, but I don't remember because of the malort. So, anyways, <laughs> we're gonna give it a shot, like we've never had it. He is going to smell it. It smells like a can of peas. It's just something I want to say. Peas, to you. peas. Like doesn't those are some spicy peas, bro. Does ghost pepper smell like that? I don't know. I don't know. No, but the... Mm, oh, yeah. <clears throat> there it is. Um, <laughs> it tastes like a can of bees. Bees. That's actually very good. Like, that's very good. Caleb, try this. That is... Uh, Ross has a glass. I'm not a spicy boy. No, I know. let everyone know. It's not it's, nearly it's as... Sp- not what that other thing we had was. That, yeah, it's, it's the pineapple and cream yeah, ale. That, that nail gun we drank the other week. This is very different than that. I actually really enjoy that beer. Um... That is probably a four for me. That is quite good. I think that's a white cheddar. That is very good. Yep. Yep. I can drink the good shit Good taste, out of that. producer Ross. Thank you. Excellent job. That pineapple cuts into the spiciness, yep. but the spiciness sort of brings out the pineapple. It's working well together. Honestly, yeah. and the, kind of the thickness, the cream ale thickness is very important here. Um, yeah. It feels like it cuts it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I am very impressed with the Pialop River Brewing Company's <laughs> Ghost Pepper Pineapple Ale. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caleb, what are we talking about? Uh, in dissecting our fun, we're going to talk about a new game you just bought and yeah, we played yeah. last night, or at least I played for the first time last night. Yeah, Everdell, 
Uh, and I quite enjoyed it. Um, I certainly have thoughts on it, but you proposed the topic. So yep. how do you want to sort of give this a thesis? Sure. Dissecting our thoughts. Sure. So um, Everdell is an interesting game for those of you um, who really get into managing options. Okay. There's a lot going on in a game of Everdale. Everdell. There's a Lords of Waterdeep worker placement style mechanic. There are, I think, a hundred cards, many of which can chain together to be played into your tableau to make the city you're building more effective. There are a number of ways to score victory points. You can chain cards together. You can take actions in your worker placement to to take uh, victory points. So anyways, if you're really into managing options and cutting through clutter, Everdell is your game. So I'm going to talk a little bit about how the game gets played, uh, and then we can kind of weigh in on what, what it's like. So the setting of Everdell, uh, it is we're coming out of winter. The game is played in the three seasons until next winter strikes. So spring, summer, and then autumn. And the game ends at the end of autumn when winter's taking up again. You are forest woodland creatures. The art is absolutely adorable and stunning. It's by Starling Games. Everdell is distinctly within the school of we know y'all will buy this shit if it's cute as hell. That's right. And they got us. Yep. They got got him. They got <laughs> us good. Every card is just like an adorable forest creature <laughs> doing Sarah's, something else. They had a bullet with Sarah's name on it. Uh, she'd have bought it if you guys didn't. Yep. Uh, we ended up getting stuffed fables because, again, cuteness right. sells games. Uh, but it's quite good, too. I, I worry about the day that the cuteness just... That starts it. overwriting game mechanics. Yep, that's but exactly I, right. I like Everdale quite it a bit. Absolutely does not here. So you are, uh, along with the other players at the table, are trying to build like the most successful little community in the time between winters. And so uh, the game moves through three phases or three seasons. And on your turn, you can do a variety of things. So it's this really beautiful game board. And the game board uh, gives you access to a number of different action zones. The meadow, which holds community cards that everyone can pay for and play using community resources that are laid out atop the board. You can place your worker in a space to take community resources. You can place your worker in a, in a space um, to take additional actions. You can place your worker in a space to turn cards in to get more resources. Um, if, if you're familiar with the Lords of Water Deep style, there are a limited number of places where you can place your meeple. But then only certain people can place their meeples there because there's a limited number of those places. Then really what you're doing is you're kind of managing meeple placement. But instead of the building mechanic of Lords of Waterdeep, you have these four discrete cards that may, that are sort of these variable options for your worker placement. That's right. Um, at uh, And it, they stay static, basically. You're yep. not constantly throwing more buildings on the board. Right. Um, but they do change with every game and in a wider variety of things that allow you to get resources. That's right. Use the resources to buy cards. Um, the most interesting thing about Everdell to me is the sort of way that cards can chain. Um, so many of the cards will chain together in that if you have built a certain construction, there will be critters, and those critters can then be played for free if the construction is done. For first. example, if you've paid to build the inn mm -hmm. as part of your tableau, you have a tableau of 15 cards that you can build up to, and if you've built the inn by using resources you've gleaned from either placing meeples around the board or from buying those resources through other means, you've built the inn, and now the innkeeper shows up either in your hand by way of draw or as one of those eight community cards that anybody can build from, you get to place the innkeeper for free because you've built the inn where the innkeeper lives. And you've got a max hand of eight, I believe. Max hand of eight. Plus this tableau of eight, the sort of a community pool of cards That's you right. can pull from. That's right. Um, you have phases, which are done by you have to pull your meeples, your workers back, 
every time you advance a season personally, you don't advance the season for everybody else. Which is very weird. Um, and I think the core strategy of the game, but that's where we're going to get to. Um, and then um, that season will give you certain bonuses, such as re-triggering cards you've already played, or you're always getting more workers to place during the different seasons. Um, and it's very interesting. So that's what I found. I don't dislike it about Everdell, but right. the reason it's maybe... Um, I would play Everdell with someone perhaps after Lords of Waterdeep mm -hmm. because the card stacking mechanic is more complex. However, I think the strategy in Everdell might be simpler than Lords of Waterdeep because since your track doesn't advance um, until you pull those workers back and you have these sort mm -hmm. of uh, group objectives you can get by getting cards of certain types, and then a second tier of objectives that are like having these two specific cards mm -hmm. trade off each other. Um, I found that the strategy that worked, and I've only played it once, but I won, was just do everything you possibly can to be the last person to pull your workers back mm -hmm. and give yourself more turns. So I did not develop a strategy. And there's not very many games that reward that. There are a lot of games we play especially together, Scythe or Sword Crafters, for instance, when, yeah. last night when Brandy stomped the hell out of us. Yeah. Um, I try and stay flexible, and in Sword Crafters, I ended up with, it was more like Shiv Crafters. <laughs> it was it was like an Hilt inch crafters. Long. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was very bad and pitiful, and, and Brandy's just like, I just wanted greens, and it's, it blew us all away. Right. It's Or Terraforming Mars, where it's about like committing to a strategy. Yeah. Everdell, to me, just seems to be like, I saw a farm, and I can play... Husbands for free on farms, mm -hmm. and I have a wife, and I can play wives for free on husbands. So I just loaded up this farm and made it a you know polyamorous mouse commune of uh, husbands and wives for an insane amount of points. Right. And it's not like I planned that; it was just like this will These be things are the free. widest number of free plays I get. Right. Then I'll get it back. But you, those card dynamics of like, I'll play this and then that one will be free. Or like, if I get this one and this one and this one, I can get one of those second tier objectives, which is literally on a second tier because you have uh, to build this little tree. Mm -hmm. Those seem like traps. Like, so they are. They seem really suboptimal. <laughs> um, so here's what I've learned. Uh, so we've played three or four games now, and in the first game, um, the so so Caleb's right. There's this like kind of like really beautiful little tree that you place on the board. It's three dimensional. It's got two or three stories to it, and the upper tier of this tree has objectives on it. And you achieve those objectives by being the first person to play the two cards required of that objective, and then by placing one of your meeples there, which can be tough because you have a limited number of meeples that you can place around the board. Um, the first game we played, either in my hand or in the meadow, which is the community space for cards, I had three of the four ne uh, cards necessary to complete two objectives right away. So for me, it was, okay, convenience dictates what I'm going to do here. So then the question is, is there a strategy beyond that, which is get those things, get those two objectives, and then what do I do? They're called events in the game, technically not objectives. Well, there's a card that if you draw through enough, you're likely to find, which rewards you at the end of the game for additional victory points for each event you complete. And so then it was, okay, so hold on those things get to the card that gives me additional points for completing events, then start bonusing those things by chaining them together. And so I think it can be a trap if you try to build intentionally to it and you've got to do a legwork. Because there but, are a lot of cards in that deck. Yeah, 100. But yeah. 
if you've got, I think if you kind of open up, you know, and here you are with like three fifths of what you need to make something happen, it definitely does seem like a game where it's worth aiming for, especially because there are enough draw and discard mechanics Mm -hmm. that if you know there's a card in the deck that is going to help you finish this event and this event is going to get you some unique bonus or pay for this card and this card is very important and will make other cards cheaper, there are enough opportunities for you to burn cards out of the primary deck, which is in and of itself one of these options, right? So on your turn, you know, to your point, are you trying to chain together as many free actions as you possibly can? Are you trying to place your meeples? And if so, are you trying to place them strategically to reward yourself? Or I know in the second game we played, I saw kind of early what Brandy was trying to do. And then I was trying to figure out, should I place a meeple in a closed space knowing that she won't be able to kind of like finish her strategy yeah. on this turn? So are you Hate going drafting to... drafting spaces. That's exactly right. Yeah. Are you going to play cards and try to chain free cards together? Are you going to place meeples? Are you going to manage resources and buy things out of your hand or out of the community pile? Um, there are a lot of things you can do for a limited number of meeples available to you. And so that's kind of when I say, if you like managing options, if you like exploring a variety of strategies throughout a given game, Everdell's definitely your game. If, though, you need a single end point and you need a clear path just to race other people to get there as quickly as possible, Everdell is not your game. And that's one of the things that I've come kind of come around on. Brandy's like, eh, on Everdell, but Brandy really likes, this is the objective, go finish the objective. Yeah. Everdell doesn't really tell you what the objective is other than have more points, and it really doesn't prescribe how one well, gets the there. there's the four that everyone can get. Right. But then those top ones are randomly picked, yeah. and they can be real hard to chase. Right. And they may not help you in in-game <clears throat> scoring because they're only worth certain points, and they may not be enough points to move the needle at the end of the game. And so if you're not for kind of like... Um, you know, dynamic scoring strategies or dynamic strategy changes mid-game. You want a clear middle end and you want to get there as quickly as possible. Don't pick up Everdell. If you're for adorable forest creatures, um, if you like variable play, uh, and if you're for kind of some navel-gazing, looking at what you could be doing better and also kind of like watching your neighbor to figure out if there are things you can be doing to hurt them as well, Everdell definitely has a lot of options. The the thing I found most interesting about Everdell probably wasn't about Everdell, but it was about us as, as people talking about board games. Yeah. And then I can definitely see my taste changing as a person who's like approaching 200 or 300 plus board games played mm-hmm. and getting further and further into the hobby. And like I could I could sort of like the Euro taint that's getting inside of me. Right. I could feel it coming out. I was like, this tree is superfluous. It does nothing for game. Right. Move it away. Right. Like, exactly. I, yeah. I was just like, but it's like, I was still like, well, oh, it's really cute. And it's kind of fun. Yeah. And like, there's fun interactions. The, the art's glorious. But I'm like, I wish the board was slightly larger to make it more readable. Yep. And the little tree you have to build, we ended up just moving just it moving away. Because it, yeah, it was, it was like in the way of reading the board. Yeah. And I never want, I, I don't want to become the guy who's just like, I would like a train map and nothing else. Right. A train map and, and you know, tiny figurines. Yeah, we, for we our played engine Concordia later, than, later in yeah, the night. That, yeah. Very different. We're you know becoming I mean? that. Right. Like, yeah. Or at least I feel like I'm becoming that. Like, I want a copy of containers yeah. more than anything. And I think at that point, I will, I can't be saved. Shoot me. Right. Like, trust me now. Uh, I'd do it for you. Um, but, uh, I still had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, so that's it's a cool thing. game. Like, yeah, it's not perfection by any means. No. But I, I enjoyed it quite a bit, and it looks gorgeous. What I really want to do, my my ultimate dream as I quit my job and game all day, I really want to run a mouse guard RPG campaign. Yeah. And what I would do is we'd play Everdale first, and that would be the city. Yeah. That the little mice have their RPG adventures in, because um, you <laughs> and drop then the mice and mystics. Yeah, or, or mice and mystics. Yeah, yeah. If, if, as an RPG, chain game. them all together. 
God, what would we? We call had the that? little head cannon of like Everdell's really nice, and they just let the former humans turned into mice go yep. out and have horrible adventures and fight cats exactly trying to right. kill them. And Everdell's just like this idyllic little area, and every time the humans come back, they're just like, "Oh no, you have to come save us! Things are terrible here!" Right. And then they leave, and they're just like back to like making twig barges. All these people were actually very happy to get turned into mice. <laughs> they were like, "Oh, this is I don't have to clean as much space. Yeah, <laughs> very cool of mice and mice." <laughs> all right we can get out of this i wonder i wonder if they can hear me staring at you i know oh, yeah, i need they, a beer after yeah, that comment um so yeah caleb what are you drinking i am drinking one tree hard ciders lemon basil Hard cider. Mm, interesting. Interesting. I think it's a hard cider. You know, I wasn't sure. Not enough evidence to conclude. This is another Micah uh, brought uh, thing from Micah. Uh, killing Washington. it. This is the other. This is the other half of the mixture that I had at the tap room in Washington. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So I get it. Yeah. Uh oh, that ah. is effervescent. Ooh, that is lovely. I don't know that we've yeah. ever used a big Sprightly word like that. Brightly on the tongue. Ooh. Uh, so that's a hard five for cider. That is very good. A hard fiver. An excellent, excellent cider. Oh, that's really good. Yeah, that's wow. delicious. Yeah, I'm excited to mix mix some of that. Is there that alcohol cream in that at all? Or is, I know it says hard cider twice, <laughs> but I can see why they had to. They're I'm really, doubtful. It tastes like a delightful fruit. Do drink. you know what you know what it tastes like? Tastes like booch. No, it doesn't. It tastes like booch. No, it does don't not. ruin this. No, I mean it doesn't it taste like booch. It's booch minus the slightest hint of this. Vinegar. I've had booch because you snuck it into all of my liquids during your booch obsession, and it doesn't taste this good. It was a good idea though. This this traveled across the country for us. Like it went from Seattle to Indianapolis it's even got, to Springfield. It's even got a little bit of the booch booch sediment in there. Don't don't. Oh, damn. You know what you just did? Yeah. You got booched. No, it's not. <laughs> don't do that. Don't. Well, you can't just claim another you, moment. We need a sound effect. That's yeah. right. You done got booched. <laughs> yeah. What would be the booched sound effect? Uh, just in this theater of the mind, we've had to erect. Uh, a boot stamping onto mud. Uh, on a mud. Yeah, yeah. Just on mud. <laughs> I would think like a cat. <laughs> one mud unit. <laughs> just one mud. It's a cubic foot of right. mud. I would okay. think like a cat meowing. But mm. like, like, wow, like, uh, like excitedly. I think we have different opinions on Booch. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I guess. Hey, Caleb, what are we talking about? Uh, we're going to do a professional drinking because uh, we talked about a subject we want to talk about. And I just want to point this out. This was the only subtopic suggestion we got this week. So I'm, I'm sorry if we didn't get to yours in a timely enough fashion, Patreon backers, but get on there. Uh, there's not a lot of competition. You're going to get on the show. Um, so uh, I can't. Uh, think of a way to make this a whole segment. Uh, so we're going to do the subtopic suggestion first, and then we're going to shift to something really quick. Um, so Scott asked us in this for professional drinking. Um, I've never had an alcoholic drink and don't know if I'll ever start. But if I did, what would be good rules for myself to have in place before I did? Because I've got a real problem with moderation. The quick answer for this is... Don't start, Scott. It's not high school. Like, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. Like, you're fine. You're you're gonna have more money. Uh, your friends are gonna like you more because you can drive them places. Mm. Um, Ooh, there's not. It's not high school. Just like comparative do, advantage. Do, do what you want to do. Like, um, I will say, if you do want to start, um, don't drink alone. Give yourself a budget. 
So like, I'm only going to spend this much on booze or I'm only going to get this many and never drive anywhere. Uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Uh, here's the one thing I'll say, something that I didn't learn until, um, much closer to this period in my life than all other periods in my life. Um, if you're going to start drinking, drink things that taste good and drink them because you enjoy the taste. Don't drink them because they have alcohol in them. Yeah. Um, and that... I know that seems obvious. Like, I know what I just said probably feels like very duh. Took us years. It took me. It that, was a yes, long journey. That's exactly for us right. To I'm reach 32. Here. I'm not too proud to admit I came to that realization two weeks ago. Okay. <laughs> so, this is not like just some obviousness. Like, I was so excited to start drinking alcohol that I drank alcohol. And, and now. And that'll, uh, that'll stop you dead because that stuff's typically more expensive. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, so, that's the one thing I would say. Um, but don't feel pressure, man. I, I detected like. You right. don't have to. Right, you don't have to. Just because you listen to our dumb podcast. If you're planning you to, though, anything. be sure to check out that sweet-ass spreadsheet <laughs> we have with all the beers we've tried and liked, thanks to Q. Um, okay, now, on to the thing that you and I have been talking about a little bit here and there for a while. Yeah. And uh, also, and this is relevant even if you don't drink, because it is a cultural force that you no doubt have had to deal with. It really is. Much like CrossFit. I don't have to go to CrossFit to know too much about CrossFit. And you don't have to drink craft beer to hear too much about IPAs. That's exactly right. But I think the King might be dead. Like, I think King IPA has fallen from his throne, or at least, like, his advisors are keeping him away from public appearances, because it's not as all-consuming and dominant anymore. I'm hearing people roll, you know, not hearing them roll their eyes. I'm not Daredevil. Um, But I'm seeing people roll their eyes when they uh, are are hearing about IPAs being too bitter. And, um, you know, I'm not the only one who's just like, I don't feel like the only person seeing that the emperor has no clothes. It's just bitter and it's bad. Like uh, for most IPAs. Um, So I think King IPA has fallen. But we were talking about, does that, is King Sour on the rise? Right. Uh, is What's there, the next thing? Is there another tyranny in craft beer coming? Uh, or is there? Um, is it going to be fashions from now on? I think it's fashions. And I think that they are um, mutual, uh, concurrently happening fashions. I think that we're seeing the rise of a bunch of different styles becoming popular uh, at, at the same time. So, you know, regarding um, kind of the waning of the IPA, it's really possible that this isn't true and it just feels true in our bubble. But I also feel like it's relatively true. And I think a couple things I've happen. heard about other beers other than IPAs. Right. So I feel like it has to be true. Yeah, that's there was reasonable. like two years there where I couldn't get anything on a menu right. that wasn't an IPA. My only point of comparison in some ways is like the poker boom of 2003. Oh, God, yes. Like people got into uh, No Limit Texas Hold'em because they saw um, uh, Chris Moneymaker and then Scott Raymer win the World Series of Poker on ESPN, and it was a big deal. And, you know, Joe Schmo just like got a ticket into the World Series of Poker and won millions of dollars and bingo, bango, and everybody plays No Limit Texas Hold'em as a member of the poker boom uh, was very much in the throes of that. And then for people who stuck with it long enough, you learned that the poker boom wasn't just about No Limit Texas Hold'em, but was about learning other types of poker as well, because you'd start playing with people who actually liked cards beyond that game. Yeah. And then you would start to learn all these other games. And then then you really started to explore the depths of like poker. And I think what has happened 
um, from my limited perspective, is now that we have barley wine. That's right. A lot of yeah. people <laughs> got really into into IPAs, and it was a Trojan horse to a lot of other things. We just didn't know it was a Trojan horse in some ways. But but at its core, I think that re- people who really stuck with an IPA beyond what's the most bitter thing I can find started to learn that hops. And beer ingredients more generally can do a variety of things, like make things taste citrusy or and their floral. Tongue was, their tongue was tapping out. Yeah, that's and exactly right. For mercy, so the and rise so they got some variety. Right, the rise of like the New England IPA, right, which is a juicier style and it's got a little bit more of a sweetness and a, and a tanginess to it. Um, you know, the rise of these kind of like more floral beers. And then what that did is that got more people generally into craft beer. And because there was more people generally into craft beer, there are now more craft breweries and styles can flourish because people can be interesting and people can take risks and sours, I think are kind of like reaping the rewards of that right now. Yeah, This is anecdotal, but like, I can't help but see a connection between like craft beer really rising in America in a way that's completely unprecedented in the world under IPAs being followed by this dominance of sours, which right. tastes like candy that childs would have. Like yeah. you yeah. have this beer that tastes like a, a, like an archaic tribal rite of passage. Like you drink it to prove you're ready to defend the tribe as this sort of like face sucking bitterness uh, crucible. And then it's like, mm, it's like Jolly Rancers, but right. you're drunk. Like right. the, the, the switch of that doesn't seem unrelated to me. Like, right. It seems reactionary almost. So. Uh, it also seems like a really kind of like mature way of starting to deal with fruit in beers in some way. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, for so long people were kind of isolated and how they thought it, Really, I think in some ways what it's done is it's expanded the idea of what beer means. You know, what, you know, you know it's, yeah. it's not just about yeah. like, how can we make different styles? But it's like, what does it mean to be a beer? Um, and I, for one, welcome it. And this is someone who was like very much all in on the IPA boom for a while. And uh, kind of not unlike poker, um, the transition out of IPAs was literally like, I've just decided in this moment that this thing I'm drinking is too bitter. I think most IPAs might be too bitter for me. I guess I'm not going to drink IPAs anymore. And then I just stopped ordering them. Like yeah. That was a 37 second thought. <laughs> and then I quit ordering IPAs four years ago. Um, and that's just kind of what happened to me there. I also typically don't feel as well after I drink IPAs is something that I learned. Well, I so, mean, that's how your brain interpreted it. Your tongue was writing Civil War letters yeah. to your brain for yeah. years. Talking about the terrors just at the front. Took them a while to get there. Dear the Martha. Beer. Today, the Batumans... We were overrun by the They hops. blotted out the sky. Uh, like, yeah. Uh, so, um, I will say I appreciate what uh, Emperor IPA has done for our hobby mm-hmm. in drinking. I mm-hmm. mean, like, you can say that the Roman Empire wasn't very morally good, but they built a shit ton of roads. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely what the IPA did. It was a horrible Ed Hardy-esque wow. trend in beer wow. of, like chest beating mine's more bitter than yours mine is hops it's not even liquid you just chew on them like um it it became absurdity uh but at least it like made a brewery on every corner yeah um i just hope that now that the king is dead like the empire does not fall because i do worry about a craft bubble so to speak yeah and i don't want that to fall under sours i want there to be like Sour has his term, and then another, and then it becomes saisons or farmhouses or yeah. Trappist or whatever. No, so. I think I think we've got a couple seasons here that we get to go through in terms of what people think of as interesting, what what styles boom, and I'm really excited for it, especially as I feel like my palate has refined um, because of all of the great things we've been consuming, like Malort and Fireball. <laughs> I I feel like we're, I'm just now starting to get into saisons, really, and kind of like earnestly assess them in farmhouses, etc. Mm-hmm. And that's really cool because those are totally different flavor profiles. 
and I'm excited to see what kind of weird shit is happening in those spaces. And I think it's coming. I mean, I think that we're, we're, we're just getting more of that. So, um, you know, hypothetical cheers to all of the people taking risks and making interesting beer and weird beer and beer that isn't just IPAs anymore. And on that note, speaking of beer, we're going to grab more. The King is dead. Long live the King. Producer Ross, what are we drinking? Uh, we are drinking a mixture of the previous two beers, the lemon basil cider and the ghost pepper pineapple cream ale. Um, this was recommended. I had this mixture uh, first at uh, a the local boys tap room in Purdy, Washington. Uh, I was uh, visiting up in Tacoma, Washington and Seattle and Jeff Barber, uh, game designer and good friend uh, took me there and they that's the thing that they, they have these on tap. And they just mix them. And yeah, they give four it by fours doing blends yeah. in town. Uh, I remember when you texted me about this, and I'm very impressed. You remember the name of the tavern? Yeah, you were Mabat Sabort <laughs> when mm-hmm. you told me about there, this. They have time. forty beers on tap there. Those weren't the only two I had. All right, uh, but yeah. uh, so I am gonna I'm gonna try this. Q, you do not have to put this on here. We do not have you set up for blends, and you're a hero already. We're so. gonna rate and review an actual beer in a minute. Yeah, 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 but. <sighs> Well, you know, I, my opinion, you know what that is. I fucking love that. Yeah. That is, that is an excellent blend. Yeah. That tastes like, that tastes like good champagne. Like that is fucking awesome. Yeah. That, with pi- a little that kick, pineapple a little, with yeah. the ghost pepper was pretty good already. And yeah. then that delicious candy that cider. Sweet cider. Um, the ghost pepper still has managed to put some Mother- base in there, which mm-hmm. is nice. Fucker, yeah. I would get drunk on that. Mm-hmm. I think the one I had was stronger. Than, uh, I thought it was 50-50. Maybe it was a little stronger than the ghost pepper. Maybe on tap, the ghost pepper is stronger. Because I remember having that stronger burn than this, but. Whatever. I, would, I love it. I would get absolutely crushed on that. All right. Yeah. So, Spencer, uh, in the interest of giving us six beers you can buy in discreet bespoke units, right? <laughs> uh, what are you currently drinking? So, this is from Seven Seas Brewing, which is also out of Washington, yes? Uh, Tacoma, Washington. Yeah. Uh, this yeah. is also another one Jeff uh, introduced to me. Uh, and also a friend of uh, our, well, our, uh, our PPR GM, uh, Bridget, actually drove this from uh, Washington oh, cool. to give to me and Faye from the thrilling intent uh, to give to me to bring to Springfield. So this has gone from Damn. Seattle to Indianapolis back to Springfield. That's Great incredible. episode. If you live in a very specific part of the country. <laughs> so, yes, exactly right. So anyways, this is the seven seas brewing water chopper Goza. Uh, not had it before. So still water roll. Get in there. He's yeah, yeah. Drinking it. Uh, I like the name. Yeah. It's a very, uh, it's a very fun, drinkable name for mm. a Goza. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I drink the shit out of that. That's like, um, yeah. We might have like a nearly all five episode here, which is that daunting. It, that's a five, man. Yeah, that's a pepper jack. That is a slightly different back end from a flare, but it is as drinkable. I did not think sea salt and coriander would go that well yeah. together. Yep, it's that is delicious. Hard five, hard five. Yeah. That's a pepper jack. Cube. Uh, what I've learned is we have to go to Seattle. Oh, that's yeah. the issue. Point. Yeah, and Tacoma specifically. That's yeah. the bit. Yeah, um, Caleb, we're into Nerdsplainer. It was our number one vote getter. Get to Nerdsplainer. Oh, man, doesn't even matter. These beers, it's too much. Let's at shut once. it down. It's Let's shut it down and just get canned and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Twenty minutes. All right, uh, guys, you want to hear about Nerdsplainer a lot to the point where. 
I question my level of nerdiness being able to cope with it. Hmm. Um, so what I'm going to need to happen right now, I need Spencer to close his laptop because in this nerd planner, it's going to be a test. What the fuck, guys? <laughs> well, we've been nerd explaining to you for many years now, and frankly, I think it's time to see how far we've gotten. Did not many sign, is did, an exaggeration. Did not sign up. For, uh, <laughs> almost two. Yeah, that's more than one. Um, so yeah, uh, so. It's not uh, wrong. It's one to many. Is that the test? Because I feel good right now. I, even cavemen have one too many. Right, right. Like that. All, right, all right. So here, here we're at. Considering Spencer's extensive nerd training at this point. Cool. Great. Uh, and job in the world of business networking. Yep. It's time to test how far he has come in the ways of nerds. Uh, so I found a new type of article on the internet I like to call Business Normal Tries to Relate to Dweebs for Money. <laughs> Um, there's also an eye-rolling subset of this art of this genre called uh, sexual partner feigns interest in geek. Um, they actually have questions, and I swear to God, I found multiple of these articles today because I was like, nerdy conversation starters. I need something to talk about. And I found multiple versions of this article, and now I'm obsessed with them because why would you need this in the world? But um, they actually have questions to study and prepare for in these diplomatic contexts, like pickup artists specifically targeting the cast of Big Bang Theory. Um, so I thought we'd run Spencer through the gauntlet and see if he makes the right answers. This feels like some bullshit. So um, to be clear, I got the majority of these from an article, and I shit you not, titled Off the Odyssey, Nerdy Conversations for Beginners. Learn how to start a conversation with the people you need to pass college. Wait, is he? <laughs> so if he fails this, is he off the island? Is that uh, how that works? Well, I, I, I developed a game system for it, so we're going to need some dice, Ross. Are you going to kick me out if I don't do uh, well? I mean, well, we're going to see what your score is. I do mean, you have a preference you... on type of die? Uh, no, it, it just needs to be some sort of unit. I know that there are D6s and D10s and D12s. Just put the bag on the table. Okay. All right. Uh, so we have dice. These are Ross and I's money units because we are very rich geeks. And you, a filthy normal person with money and the ability to talk normal. to people, have mm -hmm. to use your, your extensive training and nerdness to get us to believe that you can be trusted with our money. So uh, Ross and I will be able to judge separately your answers to these nerdy questions. And if you do well, we will give you a money unit. I don't like this. And then we will count your money units at the end of it. Uh, so <laughs> it is a test, though. So let's go. 15 questions. What? Stormcloak or, Stormcloak or Imperial? What the hell, Caleb? <laughs> you, uh, uh, I, he cannot, yeah, you cannot yeah. explain what that is. I know. It's, uh, he's been nerdsplaining. I'll say Stormcloak. Um, Imperial seems a little aggressive and frankly oppressive. Storm, though, seems to respond to its surroundings. Zero, zero, yeah, money zero. No, nope. that was the wrong answer. I'm the sorry. wrong answer is to kill them both. Yeah. Okay, cool, great. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. The right answer is to be a Cathrit merchant. Yeah. Oh, my be. God. Uh, yeah, you're going to need to drink through this. I already don't feel bad about Favorite this. Favorite Star Trek series? TNG. It's not even close. I've actually watched quite a bit of Star Trek. Get some money in it for it's that. TNG and it, and then a massive gap. Picard is the right answer, especially for business geeks. Nope, it's the original animated series. What <laughs> even? Original voice actors. I'll take, I'll take my He's money the harder sell in our company, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Who shot first? 
Han shot first, not a question. Don't okay. give me this Greedo bullshit. Right. This doesn't feel... Now, this feels pandery, okay? Obviously. Oh, weird. The The article entitled How to Talk to People Who How Are to Going pander. to Get You Through College The article is called Pandering to Panderers. Yeah. Uh, what's your Harry Potter house? Uh, I know everyone uh, wants to wants to be a fucking Gryffindor. I am not. I, uh, I am probably a Ravenclaw. Mm. I know this. Not a fucking Slytherin. And Hufflepuffs just seem weird. I trust a Ravenclaw. With How dare you insult? Hufflepuff. I would trust a. I would trust a. Ravenclaw We're all Hufflepuffs. Yes, like, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You're. You're. you're, you're I've you're, never been Sarah more on the, the couch. Nose. Just. Yeah. Angrily gesticulating. I said all Hufflepuffs are weird, and that the two of you got mad at me. (laughs) Probably wasn't the argument you wanted to lose, is what I'm saying. So, but go on. If you had a TARDIS, where and when would you go? Oh, God. Um, I am going to expose myself a little bit here, uh, especially with Aaron in the room. Man, I couldn't finish the Christopher Eccleston season. I tried multiple times and just couldn't do it. Uh, David Tennant is my doctor. Um, It was, it was, Undoubtedly, the most fun I've had watching any television show, and I would. I'll give, pro- you, I'll give you a die if you shut up. Okay, great. Take it. <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, they actually say the correct answer is David Tennant or Matt Smith, and say no other doctor. Mm. Uh, so they really good for the safe spaces here in this article. I liked so, I liked Matt Smith more than I liked the Matt Smith writing that mm-hmm, Matt Smith had to mm-hmm, deal with. Mm-hmm. Do I get a money unit for knowing that too? Yep. Yep. Uh, DC and Marvel. DC. I know it's wrong. Uh, but it's what I grew up on. I understand that Marvel has become the zeitgeist. I'm over it. Um, I think that that DC characters are infinitely more interesting in many of their book forms. You get nothing for that uh, because and the correct answer is to not say certain characters, regardless of which side you pick. You had to show a deep cut to get in. I didn't the say certain space, characters. We are, no, you didn't. But you can't like you have to say a specific character that's not Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. Wait, wait. And Marvel, you have to say a specific character that's not Iron Man, Captain America, and Spider-Man. Hold it's on, a very hold specific on. text. I want to make a ploy, a plea. Uh, what about if I say uh, in particular year one by Frank Miller? Because that does seem like a deep cut. There's not actually a lot Give of Batman in there. <laughs> no, Give that's fucking that. great. No, it's too late. It's oh, just, we can't go back. Uh, Mass Effect romance option. Never played Mass Effect. Don't want to. <sighs> Definitely the wrong answer. Well, uh, Garrus. <laughs> no question. Uh, the correct answer is which playthrough? Oh. Uh, Horde or Alliance? Oh, I was definitely Horde. All right, Horde's the right answer. You yeah, get yeah. one for that. Yeah, I had an Undead Warlock, level 85, played through Cataclysm. No all right, deal. Yeah, you're all set there. Uh, what kind of movie TV starship would you fly, given your druthers? TARDIS. Uh, it's technically not a spaceship. It's, it's a space ship. and time ship. Yeah, exactly. It's not just a spaceship. It has to be just be a spaceship. The, the there was there were no rules placed that space was a limiting feature. Only that you're it was a arguing feature. about the semantics, and we're nerds, so you get a die. <laughs> you. Um, <laughs> why didn't the hobbits just take eagles to Mordor? No, seriously though, that's infuriating, and I won't. I won't defend not doing it. So the Nazgul's had the flying creatures too. Don't give a shit. Yeah, and then in the third movie, Aragorn just beats all the Nazgul's. So it just it just doesn't seem like that's really an issue. Appropriately head up about it, so you get to die. Yep. Uh, man, Ross is not giving them out. He nope. is. I I want to be honest, and I mean this in the nicest way. I didn't expect to get any of Ross's money <laughs> units, so I'm cool here. What kind of bender are you? Uh, 
the original is this bender from futurama i don't know i can't help you it's a test okay then then the one who's friends with fry and leela is what i can say i don't <laughs> uh, know close but that's not what they were looking for there right. smash brothers character i'll give you double if you pick the right one <laughs> um marth what oh but you edge guarding piece of shit sorry you get nothing sorry um what's your answer to the kobayashi maru provided you cannot kirk out of it it's a no-win situation so do nothing kill them <laughs> just gonna go do nothing yeah yeah the greater good not specific right. enough it feels very specific they described I- the kobayashi maru and the basically they basically said the way to win the answer is to repeat the question and, and tell everyone what the Kobe Mashiru is, because that's yeah. how you're gonna, the geek's going to know they can love you. That's stupid. No, This I'm, article is stupid. As I'm is- going to give you one, because that was a stupid answer. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. This whole thing is stupid. We, our whole thesis for this podcast is nerd culture. It's just culture. Uh, but these people have a very different reading. Um, uh, who is the greater criminal, Lucas or Abrams? Oh, that's a really good question, actually. Uh, uh Lucas. Yeah, all right. For his treatment of the films. Uh, yeah, Abrams, although seems to maybe... Just say Jar Jar. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll give him one for that. Right. That's right, you will. Uh, mm-hmm. And finally, mm-hmm. dubs or subs? Yeah, dubs. Oh, nothing. Dubs all the way, okay, man. Nothing. Man. Nope. Look, listen, nope. I don't give a shit about points here. I made it all the way through Paprika with subs, and I feel like I should get all of the money units How many dice for do making it through Paprika. I'm 12 out of a possible 30. Yep. So uh, that's a 40%. We have a ways to go. I feel like I crushed it. Um, you're going to have to repeat nerdsplaining. I feel like I crushed it. And I also feel like, honestly, some of you were, uh, Ross, uh, were like a little <laughs> overly limiting in your treatment of some of my answers. It's no big deal. I'm not going to talk about it for the rest of today, maybe. Um, but I think you, I think you guys need to rethink yourselves. All right. Well, uh, we next we, time we're doing sports planner, and I'm asking you ridiculous <laughs> questions about convoluted scoring systems in sports. <laughs> Good luck, assholes. <laughs> More beer. <laughs> Caleb, what is that beer? I am going to drink from Boom Island Brewing Company. Boom. The Hoodoo Double, which is a bottle-conditioned Belgian-style ale. Mm-hmm. Is this, uh, Spencer, I suppose you don't know where this one came from, with, if this was a purchase or it a was a, It was one of the many in Caleb's laundry room. So, so probably that, Origins. Yeah, it seems likely. Um, I know I've said this before in the podcast. Yeah. There is no way to tell. I know. It is a room in which beer I'm just filling the air while you drink. It's a room in which beer All right. appears. Just, All right. just <laughs> is it good? It is quite good. Why? It's going to be a four. It what? reminds me a lot of a three philosophers. I like it quite a bit. Well, that's a trip. Is that a, that's a triple, right? <laughs> or is that a double? Three flock. I might I can't remember, it's, but is it a quad? It might be a quad. Is this figure skating that I'm just talking about now? <laughs> yes. Um, hey, I'm going to I don't know. This. We're going to have to wait for that sports planner segment where you quiz us. Though, oh, man. You guys are going to get fucking... Ross, you're not winning. Just <laughs> give up now. Um, Caleb, what are we talking about? Uh, we are going to talk about in Armchair Director slash Getting Literature. Uh, which one was the number two vote getter? Uh, armchair Director. Uh, we're going to add some Getting Literature in it because Ross came up with a brilliant 
topic of conversation at uh, your wife's birthday party, which was Gatsby themed, uh, which I clearly won. You Sorry, definitely won. Sorry to over uh, you were, the birthday can, you, Do you want to tell the listeners? Who uh, I definitely as? dressed as Wilson and a pair of overalls carrying a gun because that murder suicide isn't going to commit itself. That was <clears> one <throat> of the funniest things I've ever seen. Yeah, uh, and uh, we were talking about how the uh, you know the sort of period authenticity. What with my Nerf gun to the Gr- Great Gatsby green Nerf gun, and what we quickly came to the conclusion of is that we were still more. On message and in period, then Boz Lerman's right. The Great Gatsby. Yeah. To which producer Ross had a brilliant idea was uh, top three worst books for Boz Lerman to adapt into film. So excited. And there's some caveats here. Aside from every single one he's already ever done, those are established. And um, we're going to limit it to fiction because nonfiction, as we've learned, is too easy. As every one of every one of them is just funny because yeah. it would be so bad. Yeah. Um, I believe Sarah said Helter Skelter. Yeah, um, would be terrible. Boz Lerman's In Cold Blood. Uh, they're 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 all very bad. Um, but I have loved thinking about this. What if uh, you had literary adaptations and no breaks? Just cut the breaks and turn the nitrous on yep. and made it completely without nuance then that would be Baz Luhrmann's whatever. So, so here's my thing about Baz Luhrmann. I loved Moulin Rouge. I, I I don't dislike him as a director. Right. I just think he shouldn't be allowed to touch written properties. Totally agree. Of a certain nature, meaning right. anything that's not Moulin Rouge level of overwrought and saturated. Right. right. Um, Romeo and Juliet. Seventeen-year-old me thought Romeo and Juliet was awesome. Seventeen-year-old yeah, me was also really brand into emo. Shotgun. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, and I will not watch The Great Gatsby um, because that book is near and dear to my heart, and, and I don't need to see that happen. To it. That's yeah. exactly right. So two things stand out to me about Baz Luhrmann, and this is what guided my decisions before I give you my first pick here. Um, one, the misappropriation of cultural taste. So Baz Luhrmann sees someone mention like, "Oh, and that is a nice car," and then I think in Baz Luhrmann's mind, I need to make everyone drive the nicest cars. So this like rush to intelliki of culture is. Typical of a Baz Luhrmann film. The other thing that I think Baz Luhrmann does is he makes terribly odd casting decisions, and I think he makes them thinking that that will somehow bring like some odd aesthetic to the film. So knowing those are, are kind of the things that I think Baz Luhrmann does to, remo- to ruin movies, I've both picked a book and I've cast the lead for him. So Baz Luhrmann's The Grapes of Wrath, starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> Very much feels like a Baz Luhrmann Good move. Pick. Good it, pick. It would be it would be Dwayne the Rock Johnson's like no, I'm going to run for president in a couple years. I need to show that I've got a softer, more serious side after such classics as Baywatch. And Baz Luhrmann's the type of guy that would reach out to him and be like, "What if they blew their minds by showing the era of depression?" and the most muscular man in history. And I think Dwayne Rock Johnson would go for it, and I think Baz Luhrmann would make one of the most hideous film adaptations of all time, The Grapes of Wrath. Yeah. Um, Baz Luhrmann has uh, a problem with poverty. Yes. Um, yes. In, in depicting it. Because um, while I enjoyed Australia, to my mind, the Outback is not filled with protein powder that <laughs> Hugh Jackman hoovers up. Is that correct? Is the Outback yep. full... Think, Maddie, 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 resident Maddie Australian, has, resident Australian has tried Australian in house. The Outback mm-hmm. is not made entirely right. of protein powder. Um, so, 
on the record. Uh, to that end, just mm-hmm. because it fits in with your theme uh, and Baz Luhrmann's inability to depict anything as not extra enough to be anything approaching poverty, uh, I would like to present to you, from the mind of Baz Luhrmann, William Faulkner's The Sound and the Fury. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Crossed my mind. So that's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, all of them would be good. The the suicide chapter, I'm sure, would have wonderful dance numbers. Um, the the sort of kaleidoscopic, uh, you know, madness of the uh, mentally challenged narrator. I, think of the songs that right. must have appeared. Um, yeah, that would be a terrible, terrible thing to watch, and also maybe the funniest thing ever made. But terrible in William Faulkner's memory. So. I um I wanted to give Baz Luhrmann um some credit here, and I thought if he were going to win an Oscar for one of these, what would it be, and who would he cast? Like, who would be like just edgy and interesting enough? People would be like, oh, definitely, he was so. Did, but did you see him in? <laughs> it's The Stranger, starring Andrew Garfield. <laughs> so, <laughs> the Camus. Yeah, yes, yeah. Baz Luhrmann doing Camus. Starring Andrew Garfield, where he spends the bulk of his time in a French prison. I actually think this would win an Oscar for something. Maybe Andrew Garfield. This may be his his The soundtrack shooting an Arab has overtaken Hamilton. Yeah, that's exactly uh, right. Yeah. yeah. And then, and it, you know, you probably didn't hear the Kanye in your head when you were reading uh, The Stranger, but Baz Luhrmann did. And so while, while Garfield is sitting there just, you know, kind of like pondering existence and looking up at the stars, where he could be internally mog- monologuing some of the greatest pros of the 20th century, he could also be listening to Run the Jewels. And so uh, <laughs> that's what I think would happen in Baz Luhrmann's The Stranger. See, Baz Luhrmann's The Stranger starring Kanye West is a thing I could actually see <laughs> happening. God, that's so true. Because if, 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 like, humanity was yeah. smart enough not to bankroll it, Kanye wouldn't Definitely. be. Definitely, right, yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah. Wow, that's that's a great one. Thank um, you. So uh, I'm going to focus specifically on the jazz scene in The Great Gatsby, uh, which is not the most racially sensitive mm-hmm. <laughs> ever put to film. Mm-hmm. And so I think one of the worst things that we could ever possibly see would be Boz Lerman presents Ralph Ellison's Invisible Man. Oh, my God. Uh, I think that theaters would have to be shut down, oh, and I think it would be rightfully so. My God. Uh, there would People need to would be riot. A, yeah, and they should, uh, honestly. Um, it would be horrific. Uh, I, I can't imagine how awful it would be. I saw how the man did wealth. Can you imagine how he would do race? Oh, like, God. It would be offensive at uh, every it would turn. Be, it would be like David Cage doing race in some sort of <laughs> video game about androids. It would be roughly that subtle. Ah, press, unwatchable. Press triangle to end slavery. That, just, um, that seems yeah. uncomfortable. <laughs> All right, this last one. This, to me, is the most inspired of the casting choices because I see it in my mind. It's also I, I love how you picked an actor, and I picked the, the Tyler Perry-esque subtitle to go with it. Yeah, that's exactly that's nice. right. Yeah. Um, so this one, also a book that's near and dear to my heart, and if Baz Luhrmann touched it, I would lose my fucking mind. And an actor that has ruined things near and dear to my heart. So Baz Luhrmann's To Kill a Mockingbird. But wait, <laughs> Henry Cavill as Atticus Fetch. <laughs> and this makes so much sense because Baz Luhrmann would look at Henry Cavill and go, oh my God, he looks like Atticus that Fetch. That fight scene when he defends Tom Robinson at the cr- was great. Would, would be incredible. It was brutal. That's right. But then... 
you'd get in the film and and Henry Cavill would open his mouth and Baz Luhrmann would be like, what did I do? Can you imagine the the fucking pageantry at Scout's school play? Oh my God. Before in the she gets attacked? No, like, can you imagine the costumes yes. those kids are going to be wearing for yeah. their Southern elementary school pageant? They're, it's going right. to be phenomenal. Yeah, that's right. And the Finches probably live in some palace, <laughs> but like, but like cribbed from a Wes Anderson film, and Boo Radley literally lives in a shoe. Like, that's what would be happening in a Boss Lerman to Kill a Mockingbird. Wow. The, and the courtroom scenes would be so bad that they would have to dub some... They might just have to replay Gregory Peck's dialogue over, over Henry, Henry Cavill, Cavill just moving his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> with a CG mustache. Um, they're going to add one in this time. Well, yeah. Rather than Just delete it. mid-deposition, though. All right. Um, I think that Boz Lerman should not uh, touch William Faulkner because he can't do poverty. He definitely can't do race. I don't know what his treatment of spirituality is, but this is the one version I actually want to see. I want to see uh, John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. A Boz Lerman joint. Um, That's where it gets him doing weird. a morality play yeah. might actually be perfect. Like yeah. all the characters are named like Christian and Temptation, and they they visit like uh, you know Sin the town. Yeah, like it might be turned to eleven enough that yeah. it's actually the best adaptation. That said. It could also go terribly wrong. Right, right. And he could be... Did pl- you have a cast for it? or did? Uh, no, no. He, I, I can tell you a setting. He'd either choose to do it in Vegas, because things are named Sin and Temptation, or he'd try to be edgy and be like, it's Chicago, the West Side. <laughs> and like that would, be, that would be his grand comment on the state of politics. I could see it either being like the new passion of the Christ, and unironically, because, you know, they wouldn't look up that Boslerman is a, you know, very gay man, right? Um, and or it could like have the Catholic Church enter its first fatwa. It could happen <laughs> both at the same time for the same film, um, which I think it reignites the war over Protestantism and Catholic. You know, uh, I I did have one idea. It'd be the troubles uh, all yeah. over again. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it was actually kind of similar. Um, it was the Wakefield mystery plays from the Middle Ages, uh, but led and performed by Lady Gaga. So. <laughs> We have the heroine, and like she plays as many roles as possible. She is both Herod. It's a one woman show. It's a one woman show. She's Herod. She's Christ. She's the angels. She's death. Come to kill Herod. Uh, maybe Beyonce shows up for the other roles. You Definitely. Know? Yeah. So um, yeah, I feel I like, would watch the shit out of that. I don't yeah. Even want, yeah. Just kill her, killing herself with a jawbone's ass. You know, Cain and Abel. Uh, jawbone's. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so, that'd yeah. be that'd be great. Here's a, here's a legitimate question for the team. Um, should we implement a regular, maybe not frequent, but a regular segment segment called Directed by Boz Lerman, in which we just imagine more Boz Lerman properties? I mean, we're going to have to see, because I have had fun for this, thinking about it for like a week. Right. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm just saying it's on the table. Feel free to comment or post. Well, maybe we rotate directors, because, you know, like, we haven't thought about, like, what would Tommy Wiseau do with certain materials? Oh, or that's what, a good idea. What would Neil Breen do? We could just call it, we could just yeah, call it directed by. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, then, yeah. and then we could just insert a director, and then we got to pick things. Yeah. Well, this is not a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. I'll take credit for it. And on that note, we're going <laughs> to grab a beer, and we'll be right back. Um, no words that I can I can actually say. You've really jumped on the pronunciation grenade this episode. And I, I appreciate it. Yeah. So this is from Unibrew. 
Um, it is the ephemera. Ephemera. ephemera? Efe- well, yeah, you would think that, but then look at it. See, there's too many E's. Ephemery. Yeah, that feels on the nose. Um, I'm going to go with the accent mark. Ephemera is said. Ephemery. Ephemera. Uh, This is a Belgian-style fruit-flavored wheat ale. It's 5.5%. And apparently it's got some elderberry in it. Elderberry. Your Mm -hmm. father smelt of elderberries. And his breath does, because he... He drank a beer. Yep. All that right. was not a good follow-up to that joke. Nope. We really just have to fill that time. I was just referencing drinking. Monty Python, I think. I, I, I mean, I got the reference. Okay. I, really I got good. the reference. Do I get a money unit? Yes. Uh, well, I mean, you're not under test anymore, right. so yeah. I can loan you one. Um, It is a perfectly fine beer. I would I would call it an American cheese slice. Is that a three? That is a three. That is perfectly fine. All right. Um, hey, we're into Ask Mixed Six, and Ethan Cordray asks, straight up life advice. What do you think we've been doing all this other time? You didn't need to designate it like that, Ethan. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your tips for getting over colds slash other minor diseases faster and more comfortably? I chose this question because I'm really bad at this. Um, the moment I even feel sick, not only does my body shut down, but my will to live goes right out the fucking door. You get over it pretty quick, though. I do. I, I know people who get sick, and it's just like the rest of the year. Yeah. They have a whooping cough. Like, I feel like I have more 24-hour sicknesses than... Like, I don't get sick very often, but when I do, I get really sick for 13 hours, and then I'm not sick again. Yeah. Um, except for three years ago, almost exactly three years ago... Is that right? Jesus. Two, I don't know. I got the flu, like the full-on flu, mm. and I literally wanted to die. Yeah, like somewhere around week. day six, I thought, I don't care anymore. I literally don't care. I'd worn the same pair of underwear only for like four days, and my whole house smelled like me, and I did not care for it. But in the instance when I'm just trying to get over these little micro colds, um, two things I try to do. One, and I know this sounds stupid, um, but I really do think there is something important to thinking positive. And so I tried to tell myself, I'm going to feel better, I'm going to feel better, I'm going to feel better, even though my will to live is out the door. I lie to myself out loud if I have to. The second thing that I do is I take an unadvisable amount of medicine. Um, If something says cold or flu on it... And yet you are doing it explicitly now, advising it in an advice segment I'm telling people, it asked, what are my tips? And my tip is... Your tip is to take a dangerous amount of medicine. Inadvisable amount, I think is how I phrased it. And and, And to be clear, it's only inadvisable because I'm not... I'm not a doctor. I can't advise on those things. Okay. From a doctor's perspective... As long as we're legally covered. From a doctor's perspective, (laughs) maybe you should take six to eight Aleve Ds and a couple of Excedrins. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you should. Here's what I can say. Works for me. So that's kind of what I do. Um, I drink a fuck ton of water. I try to stay positive, even though I'm mostly lying to myself. Can we get this podcast famous before you die of an OD? Like, can you give me that much? Like... I feel I he asked for straight up life advice, Caleb. So I'm telling the truth here. I take an inadvisable amount of medicine and I feel better the next day. And if that's not if that's not good old fashioned American advice, I don't know what is. All right. Um mine would be to take the day off before you have to take the day off. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. I recover far faster than if I wait till the moment I absolutely cannot go into work. Then I'm going to be not into work for two or three days. It's a good idea. Then if I feel just kind of shitty and then I take a day off and then I can sort of head on the upswing much faster. Yeah. Uh, for most of the time, if it's not the flu, 
Uh, if it's the flu, yeah, you're you're, you're aft, done. But, you're done. Uh, if it's flu, don't go in. Right. If you possibly can, because you're gonna don't go be in. a disease vector. But don't go in. Uh, you, I know not everybody has that choice. Right. But yeah. if you can avoid it, don't go in. Here's something I learned when I had the flu: that for a long time I would just like casually use the term flu, like yeah, I'm feeling I'm feeling fluy, or like yeah, I've got the flu, like thinking I was saying I'm not feeling well, or I've got a cold, or I've maybe got like a 24 hour thing. No. The flu is worthy of its singular designation as a thing which plagues your body for an untold amount of time while yeah. you wither away mm-hmm. in both hot and cold <laughs> at the same time temperatures. Yeah. It is a nightmare. I've never been... First off, I'm pretty sure Brandy's only almost divorced me one time, and it was when I had the flu, um, because I'm unbearable for eight days. And then when I felt better, I went to work, and guess what? I didn't feel better, but I didn't have the energy because I hadn't eaten in eight days, and it was also the fucking flu, so then I had to come home more, and then I had to tell her I had to come home more, so then I was like, well, I couldn't go to work, probably can't eat dinner, so then she had to make dinner again. I think that was almost it. I think if you ask her, that will be the one time where she was like, I don't, it's not that good anyways, is kind of where she netted out there. All right. Ethan, if you're sick, I'm sorry, if that's what brought this on. Um, And again... I'm not giving advice here, maybe. Uh, I am. Take the day off before you need it. Yeah. Uh, that That's a good one. Um, also, sleep is great, obviously. That's yep. the doctor recommend, but, like, don't force it. Like, I know that there are moments when I cannot breathe, and I know no amount of drugs will make me sleep. Yeah. And the sleeping just, the, the failure to sleep and choking on your own mucuses Mm -hmm. pisses me off to the point where i don't think it's healthy for like my immune response right i think it's better to like play a video game you've been meaning to get after or binge a whole bunch of stuff if you know sleep is impossible just to keep yourself distracted great idea um so i I wouldn't you know sleep is very important but do not try and force it because it never works when you force it right especially so when you are plagued literally by something yeah that's that's really good too um i actually you know what is the best in the world the first night of sleep after you feel better for the first time like that night of sleep is awesome. Yeah, that's and I don't great. know why. Mm, God, mm-hmm. sometimes it's worth being sick just to get one of those nights in. Um, I would also say, like, try and keep as clean as you can. Like, uh, change your sheets. Uh, you know, try and bathe as much as you can. Uh, Ooh, hot thing. bath, definitely a hot yeah, yeah. bath. I take like six to ten hot baths a day when I'm sick. Yeah, yeah I live in a shower. Yeah, and yeah. I just really much wait for the hot water heater to refill and then get back in. That's there. exactly right. Because uh, breathing is nice. Fill the tub up halfway, really hot, turn it off, let the hot water get back to a level, start the drain, and then kick in the hot water again. There's some bubble bath in there. Sometimes being sick is also like a really leisurely, you know, pleasurable day if you do it right. How are you doing sick? Huh? Like, when do the do they carry you in your palaquin at the same time? Yeah, well, definitely. Like, well, yeah, he has a spot fanning you with palm fronds. You forgot that I, despite the fact that I'm sick, I actually feel uh, impervious to anything because I've just gone into a drawer of pills and started putting <laughs> things in my mouth. So, yeah, no, I feel great most of the time when I'm sick. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Anyways, uh, that is our advisable and inadvisable solutions to being ill. Sorry if you're currently sick, and if you are, do some of not all of the things that we just talked about. We're on a drunk enough. Be right back. Caleb, what, uh, what's that last beer we've got? Uh, we are going to drink, and by we I mean me, and then maybe later you. Maybe. It really depends. We'll see what happens. We don't have a hard and fast system here. Uh, MKE Brewings, 
uh, Louis Resurrection, which is a barrel aged amber ale. Mm. Ambers are usually drinkable. Yeah, they're they're like all threes for me. Yeah, amber and golden ale seem to be very similar. Right in, uh, for me, a barrel aged amber. I don't know what I don't know what barrel aging would do to a beer that tastes. It like. It seems like a bourbon barrel. Which oh. you don't need to do for an amber. Is it like overly sweet? It just yeah. tastes like something aged in a bourbon barrel. Like mm. it, mm-hmm. that that amber flavor is not strong enough to overcome a bourbon barrel aging process. Mm. So it's a serviceable bourbon barrel aged anything, yeah. but like that's the only thing I can say about that's exactly it. Exactly right. That's what it tastes like. <clears throat> that's a three. Yep. Yeah, it's a three. It is very strong. Yeah, ten percent. Right, but uh, that's what I can say for it. That is a nondescript anything. Pack. We started too high in this episode. We, it's. I think we got lucky. Is the yeah, thing. we got real. We got really lucky, and then it, I'm glad it's been a gradual. Those were the highlights of my trip. To I'm, Washington right. I'm glad it's been a gradual slide to three, and we didn't take like a precipitous right. drop in two hundred one. Totally agree. The, yeah, the, there's no the, still water. Yeah, the pressure change might have killed us, but. Um, let's talk about this drunk enough, specifically how you pitched it to me, and I'm going to read exactly what you typed. Because uh, I was both intrigued by the premise and intrigued by how you chose to express it. Um, popular stories are all about transcendent experiences. This is a parenthetical inside and maybe maybe my favorite. Skydiving, bungee jumping, getting in snake pit. <laughs> Just going to repeat that last word. Getting in snake pit, hiking up a mountain, etc. What's the thing you're most afraid of to do that you think would be the best for you? I, I want to talk about... Wait, snake pits. <laughs> I want to talk about getting in snake pit. Yeah. I don't think that's a thing. No, all right. all right. I mean, snake pits exist, but I don't think people <laughs> seek them out and go in them. All right, okay. I want to say two things. One, fuck you guys, all right? Second... There are snake handlers. They just handle a snake. And more to the point. <laughs> just the one. Yeah. So a couple weeks ago, we were watching Big Brother, and... There was this competition that in order to go on to the next round to win the HOH, you had to put your hand in literally a pit of snakes and start pulling out items from under the snakes. And I thought, well, that's when I just quit. Like, no. Like, there's, I don't, I don't care how much one wins on Big Brother. It could be we either kill you now or you put your hand in Snake Pit and I just turn and say goodbye to Brandy. Like, that is what happens to me there. So then it got me thinking and we kind of started having this conversation like, is there an amount of money? Is there an amount of like personal growth you think you might achieve by doing some of these things that are either Fear Factor esque or like Secret Life of Walter Mitty esque? Like, is there some action? Which can level you up, but you won't do it. Okay, but before we get to that, right. just want to be clear. Yeah. Has Big Brother convinced you that this is a thing that people do to achieve that? Like, there's a travel agency with a poster that says, live your best life, get in a snake pit. Or Maybe, I don't know. Here's also, what I he said that his hand in a snake pit, not the entire I had spot. trouble Doesn't getting matter. over my divorce until I got in that snake pit. Like That's what I worry about. I don't know. i just trying to think of things that... Um, what that that you know would be the thing that like pushes you the most. Most notice that hiking also made it on that list for me because I fucking hate hiking. <laughs> so it's like 
getting in a you're snake, not the best judge of this right getting in a snake pit and hiking up a mountain both seem equally <laughs> awful to be fair one just seems qualitatively more dangerous of than all the, other. the things that could have been included in etc right yeah not well, getting in snake pit not well i mean no i needed to call it out <laughs> i do it 50 bucks can i be honest with you it's the thing that started this question i thought i was doing a good job hiding it between skydiving bungee jumping and we know hiking. what those are right everyone it might have well have been strobing at right. me from yeah. the screen yeah um all right. Anyway, yeah. So your response then, uh, aside from getting in Snake Pit, is that what you feel like you need to do to to level up and become like a, a deeper and more rich human being? Or I so two thoughts here. My first is that I don't. I just I wonder about like, will I know in the moment that the thing that I'm about to confront or not confront is going to be some transcendent experience for me? Like. Can you plan for these things? Are all they or are they all post hoc rationalizations? Is the first question. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I think you can plan for it, but then you've built it up, and that's the reason it happened. Right, and yeah. that's that's kind of what I'm worried about. Right. So, like, let's say for example, I. But I've never seen somebody fall out of a pl- like skydive and just say, "Yeah, I fell out of a plane," but then I didn't die. It was. Pretty how, cool. But how many people have you talked to that have skydived? I've, I've talked to multiple people that have skydived. You know, a lot of no one's ever been like, "Yeah, I." I fell out and then i no that's not true um norman has been that way because he was in the army sure yeah and he was very much yeah they pushed it out of the plane all the time right like, but that's the thing at one point he skydived once and maybe he transcended and then he they kept pushing him out of planes and he's like well this is just work now right i just fall out of planes that's like, what I, that's what i'm wondering about so it seems to me like the moments in my life that have felt like transcendent like level up moments um uh have not been things that I planned for. And I think that the things that you plan for in those moments, yeah, then you're not, I don't know that you can really own the experience because then I think you're doing this like invisible benchmarking in your mind. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. was it as transcendent as, and I, the moment you're asking that question, it wasn't. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so the, that was thought number one. That, that what, what does it really mean to have one of these things and can one plan for it? Thought number two then was, are there certain things um, that seem re- maybe reasonable enough even to you two yahoos, like, I don't know, putting your hand in a pile of snakes to pull something out. Uh, I was I was going by the verb of the question. Right. Getting in implies not dipping in to right. a snake. Okay. You know, actually, some people do that for therapy. Like, they, there's a snake therapy where they put snakes on you and you just No, walk. they don't. No one does Th- that. That is therapy. a thing. No. Yep. False. Yep. I want to see the data on the there's video. benefits of snake therapy. Yep. Well, I know there's video of people doing it. I don't, but I, it's, I, a ther- it's a business model. Yeah. I want to see, like, it's I a, went a, into a the snake. A business model is a no. strong term. <laughs> yeah. I want to uh-huh. see, I went into the snake pit and my arthritis is gone. Right. Like, no, 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 it's not a pit. You're lying on a table like you're getting a massage, and then they put snakes on you. So, <laughs> <laughs> for so, some so, people, it's very soothing. Just having it, and what does the snake do? It just kind of slithers around, <laughs> wiggles. <laughs> they typically just wiggle around. No, they slither. It's a different thing. Yeah, they wiggle. They slither. They like to think it's cool and slithering. <laughs> okay, but it's just wiggling for the sake of argument. And I'm absolutely positive no one has ever done this, and Ross is just lying. <laughs> kind of fucked up game you're playing. Um, uh, for the sake of argument, that I would be the first person to ever let the snake masseuse mas- the masseuse get to me. Hey. Okay, all right. Um, would you let someone do that? Like, so there you are, right? You're on the table, you, no clothing on, maybe a towel over your butt, yep. and 
and someone's like, hey, we have this therapy uh, where we put a fucking snake on your back. And <laughs> in that snakes. moment, you're me, right? You know that that would be all of a sudden you're like, oh, my God, I could confront my fear of snakes right now. I could get over something. Yeah, that's a cold exposure therapy. That's another thing. Stop. You don't get yeah, to but name that's not therapies the, that's anymore. Not the theory, that's not the theory of this. Yeah, it's, the DSM-4 over here Spencer can calm down. gets in a pit, and he's like, <laughs> right. oh, my eczema's gone, and I should write a novel, because yeah, like, right, there's exactly. snakes on him. Like, <laughs> Not everybody is terrified of snakes. My time in the pit with snakes. <laughs> I, I, I know snakes. They've been fine. They've been chill. Like, the Boz Lerman adaptation, yeah, 2020. Fine. I um, <laughs> So that's the thing, right? Like, Are there... I don't think I could do that. I need to be honest with you. Like, in <laughs> I don't any, think you should do that. In any scenario, this... But in, in non-snake related transcendental right. experiences. Right. I mean, maybe Are you should any? go hiking once. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I had a really bad experience when I was hiking when I was eight. And so I've well, just kind of sworn off of it. I think part of, in order to get a transcendental experience, you have to go outside your comfort zone. I think it's impossible to have a transcendental ex- uh, experience inside your comfort zone. I can't take anything you said seriously anymore. <laughs> I'm trying I, to. I, I, agree I will with you. say that in hiking, the snakes are much more widely distributed. Right. Don't want that. You might not even. They see are camouflage though. No, like they're it's across a much. It's it's a much bigger <laughs> surface area. You might not even see one snake. Yeah, but they're there. Um. <laughs> yeah, they're there. That's you the need problem. to stop herpetology, <laughs> Ross. Right. Right. All right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I guess. I guess for me, it was just like: Are there things that you think about often? Like. That's that's something I should do. I think it would be good for me. I think it might have a profound effect on my life. I'm not going to do it. Um, for me, it would probably be travel. Yeah. yeah. I need oh, to, yeah, for sure. I need to travel internationally. But right. like with the amount of money I make, that would take a heroic savings goal. Let's assume that you do, made an amount of money to, to do, do a it. short. I would. I would. Like yeah. the thing stopping me from traveling is not that like I'm afraid to leave the country. I, I And I also think it would be imminently like uh like edifying i think it'd be transcendental um i i believe what many of the people who travel often say about what it does to you um despite the uh lesser examples of those study abroad people who become annoying shills i i do think there is something there in that that i really want to experience but the amount of money i would have to save with my budget is heroic and the amount of money uh, that would take to do that, I would much rather use to write a book or make something, mm-hmm, and like, mm-hmm. and that would basically be it. Like, do nothing at all for a year or more, and then blow it all in two weeks of leaving the country, or like, do nothing at all and like write another book mm-hmm. or commission some art and, mm-hmm. and make a thing, mm-hmm. and like have my little staycations or, or go right. or go over to the next state to see my friends. So. Yeah. I know traveling internationally and overseas would be extremely edifying. I don't have any way to reduce the cost of that. It's all hotel. It's, you know, all, um, you know, passport fees and plane tickets and, you know, like most people. And I do not make enough money for that. But I I, I do think that would be transcendental. And I do believe I could do it, but I'm never going to prioritize that over the other things I could do with that money. Sure. Yeah. Producer Ross? Uh, I don't know what you want me to say now because you know you just, you can take a shot at it. All right, uh, yeah, international travel is definitely uh, worth experiencing, especially if you can do like I would say not like the cruise ship uh, package oh, tour thing. Yeah, cruise ship. Uh, try and you know uh, make your own vacation, make it meaningful too. Like I actually found uh, just traveling to Seattle to on my own to travel 
um, to visit friends was actually really meaningful and like being able to, like I had never driven in a major city before, like mm-hmm. in Seattle. And that was mm-hmm. <laughs> transcendental in its own way because <laughs> you kind of like take your life into your own hands right. at some point. Yeah, so. Ross, but you travel all the time. Yeah. Right? What right. transcendental experience do you think would level up you in the life plane that you're afraid are not going to do? That's the pitch. Yeah. Uh, Spencer's not going to get in a pit of snakes. Or, yeah, let, yeah. or let them massage me. <laughs> yeah. Which I didn't anticipate being the answer, but um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Travel, though, is good. I'm not doing that. Yeah. yeah. So, but, so, I, oh, yeah. You would yeah. hate that. No. Oh, my God. Yeah. I don't think it would level you up. I think you'd just be pissed. That's exactly right. I would get home and be like, why the fuck did I leave this place? Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I don't mean because you're an idiot, but... You're the guy from Idiot Abroad. You right. are Carl Pilkins. Yeah, right. you would go see Taj Mahal and bitch about how it's hot. Yeah, like, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It, if I'm not comfortable, I'm not living my best life. I need mm-hmm. to be honest about mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, there's also aside from uh, vacations, there are different kinds of experiences you can have, and one that I think you could actually be comfortable doing. Uh, for example, maybe, and you're probably you're almost like 99 going to say no, uh, but for me, it would be scuba diving. Uh, because you can do it at open, clear water. I think I would. I think I would scuba. Yeah, yeah. like uh, the Cayman Islands. They speak English there. The water is like extremely warm. It's extremely clear, and you can see beautiful ocean life. Yeah, uh, I think I would scuba. I don't, yeah. I don't know that I have. I mean, or Hawaii off the coast of Hawaii. Like you can see uh, manas swim over your head, and uh, that seems dangerous. But I don't have any particularly well, reservation. Particular reservations. Yeah, I could, okay. I could be down. Yeah. Now, so, getting to the Cayman Islands not going to happen. It, uh, do you know where they are? I know that I They're need to close. get. I know. I know that I probably need to get on a plane. Yes. So I think we're okay there. Mm. I think that by and large, I'm. I'll get. I mean, I. I obviously get on planes. Yeah. I just don't prefer it's to. A, it's a short plane trip. Like what's short? Like a couple hours. Yeah, okay. To be clear, Ross. Yeah. <laughs> I know you spent a semester abroad. The reason I don't travel is not because I'm scared of people who don't speak English, yeah. as, <laughs> as you so subtly put it. Uh-huh. Uh, like it's just a lot of money, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, well, I was talking to Spencer because yeah, okay. I know he. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know the language. I know you would be fine. Much. Like, and besides, I actually know people you could uh, uh, you, uh, stay with to avoid hotel costs. See, if there that's you go. your problem. Yeah, yeah. 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 Good luck to you, sir. Uh, now yeah. it's just the, in the in the land of non-English speakers. Now apparently, it's just the four grand. And plane tickets. Yeah, there is that. Uh, Woo! Time to write another book, huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, that's only the art budget of an entire book. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well. yeah. Um, so, Ross, again, what are you not doing to live your best life? Um, sky, yeah, yeah. Uh, at this point, it is kind of skydiving and like shit like that. Uh, I have thought of a compromise, which would be uh, doing the indoor skydiving with like the giant fans. Uh, Hardly have, a compromise, but yes, good for yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, have you? Are you going to do that? Uh, no, my compromise is that I'm going to let snails on my back while I get a massage, and they <laughs> slither, that... <laughs> and it feels like it, it's kind of a relevant, relevant yeah. sensation. Um, they call them slow snakes in the yeah, biz. Right. <laughs> That's not what they do at all. They're they they're invertebrates for one. Lot. <laughs> You're the worst. <laughs> Just the worst. Sometimes. <laughs> Sorry if I know about facts about biology. Oh, here comes the scene. Here it comes. I'm here just comes waiting for that old chestnut. Tell me about the fish teeth, Ross. <laughs> well, I mean, they do have teeth. Okay, uh, yeah. okay, so Ross wouldn't go skydiving, maybe. Yeah. Okay. That's 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 my threshold. Is I feel like I had a or really, jumping, like really those, good yeah. pitch for a premise here. Mm-hmm. I feel like Caleb... So is yours... What is yours, like, definitively? I said my one. I'm sorry I got sidetracked on the snake thing, but it was too funny. For me, it's extreme And I, I, I don't think the audience is sad I did, but... I apologize I, personally. I um probably probably 
solo travel abroad or or um like writing a book like that probably hmm. is like the crucible that i wish i could get through that i'll never it's get a, through. it's not a comfortable zone right exactly yeah yeah, it's probably more more so than travel abroad. I think I could make travel abroad at least manageable going with people that I trusted and, you know, kind of like organizing my trip as much as possible or going and not organizing my trip, I think would actually be the like more difficult thing for me and just yeah, kind of yeah, like going yeah. with the flow. That would be, oh my God, no. Uh, but writing a book seems to be the thing that keeps me up at night and also the thing that I'll never do. So I, maybe that's, and maybe if I got through it, I wouldn't sit down and go, I've written a book and now I feel better about myself. So... I can see a chain here. If we threw live snakes at you, no. would you then leave the country and write a book? I'll say this. If if <laughs> if the United States was just snakes, like <laughs> snakes all the way down, I would probably find a way to camp. Just snakes or the other reptiles you're okay with? Uh, yeah, I'm okay with a lot of other reptiles. Like lizards? Yeah, well, I mean, what do you what mean by okay? Of, well, I mean, you know, like... Like, I saw a salamander the other day, and I was like, oh, look, a salamander. That's an amphibian. Cool, great. Yep. What the fuck are... What? I'm, we're done. We're done. We're done. Honestly, this has all been a medium time. I liked some of it, and a few of you... Fuck. <laughs> this has been The Mix 6. We're on Twitter, at The Mix 6. You can, you can find us on Facebook. Got some shit on, shits on YouTube. <laughs> Google us. <laughs> In. <laughs> <laughs>